0: Never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM The Fan in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, along with our guy Nathan Marzion. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at Nathan Marzion. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. And uh, as always, streaming live on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page here on a Monday evening. You can always catch us on the podcast in their entirety or different cuts of the podcast on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast. Podcast app. We we're talking about a piece written by Eric Name in The Athletic. As I said before, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic simply for Eric Name, then you are missing the boat. There's a lot of good writers on The Athletic, obviously, a lot of great national guys and so forth, but uh, Eric Name's Bucks coverage, uh, really, really good, just like, uh, you know, Zarsky's Bucks coverage uh, with the Milwaukee Journal Sunday. They both do a great job. I wish. They had a Brewers beat writer for the athletic, but that's for another time. Uh, all right. So Eric name uh, has suggested three lineups for Adrian Griffin, the new bucks head coach. Uh, and I, I'm guessing Nathan Marzian that you had a chance to look these over and uh, form your opinions of them earlier today. That'd be correct. Yeah, very briefly, but I did. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you that. I don't know if I like any of them, but uh, we'll go over them. Nonetheless, uh, the first one I absolutely hate and despise. Uh, if, I could be any more stronger. Let me know. Uh, Giannis at center in all scenarios. And I don't care who the hell you put on the court with him. I do not want Giannis at center. Now, if you want to tell me it's for a possession. Okay. I'll listen to you for a possession. If you're telling me it's going to be for five and 10 minute stretches. I don't like it. If You're telling me it's going to be for anything longer than that. I hate it and despise it. Now, these lineups are not his starting lineups to be clear. These are lineups he's saying that they could play in different situations in a game, depending on the opponent and so forth. So just to clarify, this is not what he is saying they should start with uh, an opening tip off to get Eric name uh, of the athletic. Correct. So this is his lineup with our guy Giannis uh, at center. Drew Holiday, Pat Connaughton, Chris Middleton, Jay Crowder and Giannis as the center uh with this starting five the reason I don't like Giannis at center is because I don't want Giannis having to guard bigs on the other side of the floor I have no interest I don't want Giannis having to be guarded by centers on the other side of the floor if he doesn't have to I'd much rather have a center dealing with Brooke Lopez than dealing with Giannis if at all possible now in the NBA today there's a lot of switching and so forth that happens and I get that Uh, but I, I don't want him at center. And to be honest, I don't know if Giannis even wants to play center. I'm guessing he wouldn't either for the reasons I laid out. Uh, but either way, Nathan Marzi,an your thoughts on uh, the first lineup suggestion by Eric name of the athletic. I, I definitely do not have a big problem with it. And he did put
1: out some stats below that kind of show that, okay, the bucks actually have been pretty decent with Giannis at center. Um, like last year, they had a plus 10.1 net rating plus 7.4 the year before that 2019, 20 was plus 17.9. And, with this as you said like this it's more of a you know do you want to see this a little bit nobody's asking for this to be the primary lineup and starting lineup and stuff like that but i don't mind it at all if it's something that they're going to use you know a little bit and maybe just to keep brooke a little bit fresh and and you know i don't know i just i like when they go to Giannis sometimes at at the at the center because it does give them more versatility there's really you look at this lineup it's drew pat chris jay Giannis. Not a ton that you can really attack defensively there if those guys are all playing near their best. Um, and it it kind of reminds me of the lineup that they sometimes went to in the 2021 playoff run, except you just would replace PJ with Jay, which is what we're basically hoping Jay can be is like the PJ type replacement. And so at that point, you're going with, you know, Drew, Pat, Chris, Jay, who's your PJ and Giannis. That's kind of what they went to in those, some of those finals games to close it out. And, you know, again, if Pat Conanton's hitting his threes well, we know like what he can bring if he's doing that. And so I, I don't mind that as a lot, potential lineup to, to throw out there sometimes, especially like in the playoffs. And just, again, having Giannis at center defensively opens up more possibilities, allows you to switch everything, and there's really no way you can just attack on the perimeter completely. So I'm definitely more okay with it than you are.
0: I, uh, I'm curious to see what Adrian Griffin is going to do defensively. Because, uh, you know, playing man-to-man and drop for Lopez has been the way that Brooke Lopez has come onto the scene as this dominant defender. So when Lopez is out, because I'm assuming that's how they're going to play when he's on the floor. And if they don't, I'd be surprised. Then are they going to go to a different type of defense where they're going to be switching constantly? But when Lopez is on the floor, they won't do that. Because I would be shocked uh if they're switching constantly with lopez at center on the floor nathan yeah i mean it it's something that
1: you can do a little bit with brooke it you know it, but again if you're doing it full-time or if you're really doing it a ton it's probably gonna end up coming back to bite you he can he can come out in the drop a little bit and he can defend on the in that mid-range area decently well as he did in the finals but he's not someone that you want to be switching, you know, guard him onto guards on the perimeter and stuff like that. And so again, that's why I'm kind of like, they do need to go to Giannis at center more, I think just in general, just for that reason of, it gives you more flexibility. And some of this, I mean, these lineups too, it's, it's dependent on matchups too. If you're playing in a series where, okay, you don't need Brooke,
0: Brook's defense quite as much. Like you know, Nate points not, out, it's a small ball lineup, essentially. Like if you were playing golden state or something.
1: Yeah. If we're playing, if we're playing Philly with Embiid, no, you want Brooke Lopez out there to defend Embiid. And, but in certain situations it's like, no, we can live without Brooke Lopez on the floor. We don't need his defense quite as much. And now you've got a guy that can make the defense more versatile and in Giannis at center. And then obviously it just gives you a little bit more athleticism overall on offense um, and just gives you a little bit more options there with, with Brooke not being out there. So I don't know. It, Again, it's one that I'm perfectly fine with in, in plenty of situations.
0: Lineup two by Eric Name of The Athletic. And I'm not going to go over and read all the stuff of his reasoning of the lineups necessarily. Name or uh, Marzian's numbers guys. so he'll read you the stats that he gives. But other than that, and there's lots of numbers, way more than Marzian gave to that first one. But you can go subscribe to The Athletic and, and read all these reasonings. Team Tempo, and that's what he calls it. Andre Jackson, no. Right there, I didn't even have to read the rest of the dang lineup. No, G League, yes. No to being on the floor with any of the starters. All right, all right.
1: finish, finish, finish reading off the lineup.
0: Marjan Bochamp, no, 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 to Marjan Bochamp. He does to score eighty three in the NBA. No, he's not. Malik Beasley, okay, fine. Giannis fine Bobby Boris okay I'm not all about team temple and I get it Eric I I get it right uh well you know, John you know, wants young guys wants to be more athletic so forth right but they gotta be able to shoot yes they do and they're not there yet right so in order to walk you have to crawl in most situations in order to run you have to walk we're not to the crawling standpoint yet with Andre Jackson, so we're nowhere close to being able to walk. That We're not there yet. Beauchamp is probably at the crawling stage and trying to pull himself up onto a couch to learn how to start to walk at this point. It's probably where Bochamp is at. Neither one are ready to be out there for any extended amount of time. Especially, think about this. Giannis can't shoot. Beasley can in stretches, yes. Bobby Portis can. But then Bochamp and Andre Jackson can't. What what are you doing with that lineup? Like, I, th- there's just absolutely no way, no chance. And you're Jackson run the point, I guess, maybe, because he did it in college or whatever the deal is going to... No, I'm totally out in this one. Of the three, that's my least favorite. Go ahead, Nathan Marzion. Yeah, as you said, there's... And Marjan isn't
1: necessarily a total non-shooter right now, but, I mean, it, it's still to see, but there's at least two non-shooters out there, Andre Jackson and Giannis, and then another iffy shooter in Marjan. if Bobby Morris nice. isn't shooting... If Bobby yeah. Portis isn't shooting well, he could be another iffy shooter because yep. there was a long stretch last year where he didn't shoot very well. Really, the only guy that you can rely on as a shooter is Malik Beasley. And again, I know we don't always just need shooters out there that can't do anything else. And but you can't go too far away from the shooting. You know, you can't just put out five athletic guys and be like, okay, cool, this is our line. We we saw the Bucks do that in 2015 when they had Michael Carter Williams and Giannis and Greg Monroe, and and then it's like, okay, but like who can shoot and. All of a sudden, you know, in Jabari and stuff, it was like, okay, we just don't have enough offense now. We got the we got the length, we got the athleticism, but we don't really have the actual basketball skill here. So I don't, like, I don't mind giving Andre Jackson a, some bench, a little bit of bench minutes during the
0: regular season when it doesn't matter as much. Oh, he can sit on the bench for as many minutes as he can handle. I'm all about bench minutes. Sit right there on the end of the bench. No, make sure I'm it doesn't fly up in the air. And that's your job. I'm all lots of bench minutes. All about it. Sit on the bench. Yes, agreed. No minutes
1: with the second unit on the but, floor. <laughs> I mean, in the in the in the regular season, I don't see the harm in it. It's not if if he plays eight minutes a game, six six to eight minutes a game, and you're like, whatever. Like, is that really going to kill your chances of winning the basketball game? Probably not. Fine. Um, and you know, I, I mean, obviously, in any type of big big games or must win or late in the fourth quarter. No, you're not playing the guy, but I don't mind throwing him out there. I just, I don't, I said it when they drafted him. I don't know how he fits alongside Giannis. That's why I kind of just assumed like they might just not play him with Giannis, at least to start, because I don't know how you do when Giannis needs space and Andre Jackson cannot shoot. Um, I like him with, I like him with Beasley because Beasley can, you know, come around off screens and stuff. And um, I think, The stuff, the complimentary stuff that Andre Jackson does fits kind of what Beasley brings in his shooting and um, all that. Even with like a Grayson Allen too, who isn't as like, isn't a huge movement shooter, which again is more what we need. And another reason why I just didn't quite love the pick for us in Andre Jackson, I like the player. I just was like, we don't really have a ton of, he would he would thrive in a in a situation like Golden State where he can play like the Draymond type yes. role, and you've got Steph and Clay running around, yes. and you've got cutters, and you've got all that, yep. and he can pass and he can right. set screens and do all that. We don't really have that type of like we don't have dynamic players like that that thrive off the ball and are great cutters and all of that and movement shooters. So that's there's not a ton of guys that fit super well with him. I would just probably guess that. I mean, I would say I, I like him with Malik Beasley. I like him with Grayson because they're two shooters that can at least come off screens and stuff um him like the only thing i can see with him with Giannis is off of like if Giannis is cut into the hoop and he can he can throw passes to Giannis, but i just don't know how the spacing works there um and same with marjan like marjan can be a cutter slasher but i don't i just don't think the spacing works very well in this one
0: thank you i mean you did well trying to talk around and try and make it feel like he might be able to get out there and do something i mean if nothing else he got six fouls with him. So just make sure your guy doesn't throw up a dunk, right? Just follow him hard. Whoever it is, just make sure you can do that and we'll we'll worry about the rest later. But I will Third. say, you we hold on. Can we just say we like,
1: is it fair to say we we should at least be giving these young guys chances here? No, there's really there's no, there's no not in the playoffs, not when it matters. There's no downside to doing it Listen here. in the regular season. Stop. Like when we were last last season, we played Jordan Wara so many minutes when we could have just given him to Bochamp. What good is that doing us now? Like, sure, it might have won us a few. I mean, I probably didn't even make the difference because Waris sucked, too. But yes, it's like, okay, we we had the best regular season record, but, like, that doesn't really matter. The Let record me give you doesn't an matter.
0: I'm going to use football as an example. So I do a podcast called Curt and Long. You can download as well with Ryan Horvath of Gym Tonight. And he is all on the, oh, Justin Fields is all of this. And the Bears are going to be that team and get your money on the Bears and blah, blah, blah. And it's to the point of nauseing with me. And I just lost my mind today because it's like, well, with Jordan Love, we don't really know what's going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. I go, right. And with Justin Fields, we do. He has sucked since he's been in the league. He threw for over 200 yards twice all of last season. And Ryan's response was. He can make all the throws. He's got crap around him. I watched him at Ohio State. I know what he can do. Using that logic, we know Andre Jackson can't shoot. We saw his college career. Like, I've got, I'm not making this up. Like, guy's one of the best three-point shooters, doesn't play well in the Summer League shooting, and I go, dude, he stinks. Summer League, can't shoot. Even though he shot well in college, Summer League tells me he's not an NBA player. No, we have college to go off of that he can't shoot. They knew when they drafted him, he can't shoot. And now they've got to try and figure out how to make this whole thing work. And like I said before, I'm sure Adrian Griffin signed off on this before Horse made the pick that, yes, I'll make it work. I know how to use him. And I'm sure that's probably what happened. But I don't think we're making up stories here, Marzian. on the fact the kid can't shoot. No, we're not. I'm not saying we're
1: making anything up. He can't shoot. But I'm saying... What's the downside in playing him and Marjan minutes, even if they're not quite ready, even if they're not, they don't look great. What's the downside. And Hey, we're giving you some regular season minutes off the bench. And you know what, I just don't see why that's a bad thing. Like again, last year, was Marjan ready to play a ton of minutes? No, but I would have much rather seen him. I it would be more beneficial to the team because they're going to win games right now. You know, Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke, they're going to win games right now. Like they're going to win a ton of games. It's, you might as well play the guys that can potentially help your future because it. You know you're, you're going to win right now. There's no b- the benefit to playing. I don't. I'm trying to think of someone off the bench. Uh, like, I, I mean, some but end see, of the best is over. The,
0: this is the point. Your window is two years, right? We agree, right? Because of Lopez's contract, Holiday's contract, Giannis's contract, Milton, You're essentially looking at two years, and then they've got to make a decision if this thing is getting blown up or what they're doing going forward. And Giannis has to make a decision of what he's doing going forward. So if your window is two years, and I understand, well, let's play, see what they can do in three or four years and give them all the run. That that very well may be, but you may not have anything left by the time we get to that point. It's about now, right now. So if you're telling me I play Andre Jackson eight or nine minutes in the regular season means I'm able to get him some playoff run, and that's where it's going to happen. And you think he's that close to being playoff caliber kid, He's not getting playoff run. He's not getting playoff run. Right. It's so let him go play a ton of minutes in the G League and get a lot of run versus being wasting away up here getting five or six minutes a night. I just think eight to nine minutes in
1: the NBA is valuable to a a rookie, or you know, and then Marjan getting 15 to 20 minutes would be valuable to a second year player. And you see what you have. You know, you see how these guys look in the NBA, and you're not guessing and you're not saying, well, he looked really good in the G League. Is it gonna it's like I just want to see how you look in the NBA. I want to see how close they are. They're not going to be great right away. They're not going to be playoff guys. You know, Marjan, best case scenario, could maybe get to that if if it goes perfectly this year, but I'm not expecting that. But I just, again, don't see the downside of giving them some minutes off the bench just to see what you have. And that's what we complain about with Bud a lot was he doesn't play the young guys. He just kind of lets them sit there. He's going to play Jordan Warren, George Hill instead of his young guys. And who you know exactly what you're getting out of, but it's not very good, and you might as well just play the young guy. That's how I'm feeling now. I'm like, just play the young guy. You know, you might as well if you're gonna give eight minutes off the end of the bench to someone. I'd rather it be someone that I'm just like, okay, we're giving them experience and we're getting to see a little glimpse of you know what they're what they're becoming. We're giving them some type of um, some type of experience.
0: All right, let's move on. Topic number two. Now this uh, was taken off of Twitter. It's not necessarily Bucks related. Uh, but it is NBA-related, uh, and I sent it to uh, Nathan earlier today because I wanted to get into it. This is from Bobby Marks. Now, if you don't know who Bobby Marks is, he's an ESPN NBA front office insider, yada, yada, yada. So he tweets out, there was a healthy debate this past weekend on if the middle class, quote-unquote, of the NBA has been eliminated with the new CBA, and there are two tiers, the minimum players and the maximum player. Instead of looking at salaries as a whole, we examined it as a percentage against the cap. Uh, OK, so right there, once you do that, you're telling me that you really don't want to get into the true numbers necessarily, but you want to make it look one way or the other. Either way, the point eight to four point nine percent group will always be top heavy because of players selection in the draft. For example, one hundred and twenty nine of the two hundred and fifty nine players in the NBA in 24 are draft picks selected in the past four years. So you're talking half the league literally is ba- basically on the rookie contract. 50%, right, our draft picks lasted in the past four years. Right. And the rookie contracts still. The five to nine point nine percent group are players with uh, ranging from 6.8 to 13 million. 29 players, 6% out of 467 players this season, are on max contracts. So 29 players are on max contracts. Is that a lot? Is that not a lot? I'm not quite sure, depending on how you want to kind of look at it at this point. But the one thing that's interesting is when you look at that, you know, 6.2% or whatever, it's not in his graph that he put out how many guys were max players in 2022, 23, or, or I should say in 2021 or in 2020. He doesn't give you that stat or that number. That's what I would be interested in knowing. How many max players were in the NBA two years ago? How many max players were in the NBA three years ago or four years ago or five years ago? How many max players? Has it always been around 29 every year or is that becoming more and more? And then that middle tier is becoming less and less. I don't think he did a great job of explaining it unless I'm missing something. Nathan Marzia. Yeah, no, I mean, but the main I think the
1: main argument that he was making is that, you know, he highlighted it in the graph was the five to nine, five to 10% of the cap guys, um, which is kind of the middle area They're like just slightly below the middle. There's much more of those guys than there have been in the past three years. And so it's kind of showing that, okay, it's, we're not completely getting rid of the middle guys. We're not completely, it's yes, the money's getting bigger, but just because the money gets bigger, that, like you have to look at the percentage of the cap because if the cap increases, well then you know, salaries increasing doesn't matter. It evens out. It's not the same thing. You know, giving a guy $40 million a year now isn't the same as giving a guy $40 million a year five years ago. You know, five years ago, that was like the top guy in the league. Now that's right. maybe the 15th best guy in the league um, going forward. So it's, it's. I mean, I, I understand what it shows and I understand that it's just kind of a way of saying, hey, yeah, you know, the CBA seems crazy and everything, but it's really not having as big of a, difference it's not eliminating the middle the middle class of the NBA like people are saying it is um, you know there's still plenty of those guys more than ever in that in that five to ten percent range uh, making like I think he put it in his thing uh, about seven to 13 million a year so and again that's pretty low for for now you know that's pretty low compared to what they you know the salary cap now like that's a pretty low percentage.
0: Nate Jones, who's another guy I follow on Twitter, uh, who I enjoy following. Um, and he uh, is a big NBA guy, NBA agent, marketer, all that f- stuff with Gowin Sports. Uh, he says, it's funny because we just saw Dylan Brooks get $80 million plus, and people are talking about a dying middle class. Uh, and obviously, Dylan Brooks is not worth $80 million, and that was on them for paying him $80 million plus. But yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, you are right. I mean, guys that are probably getting overpaid to a certain degree some of these guys for what they're getting. Now, again, before this salary cap happened, as Nate Jones points out, look at all the money Michael Jordan was making compared to the rest of the roster. I mean, those guys, there was no limit on how much money Michael Jordan can make. He could make as much as the Chicago Bulls were willing to pay him at that point. And you look at Major League Baseball, Shoei Otani is going to get a half a billion dollars. I'm not even joking, folks. He's going to get five a $500 million contract. That is what Otani is about to get. So as a fan, do you like it better with a cap on player contracts? Or would you prefer it to be wide open and not have a cap on player contracts? The NFL does not have a cap on their player contracts. They have a hard cap on overall salaries, but not on player contracts the major league baseball has kind of a soft cap on contracts or on the roster, but not on player contracts to me, major league baseball and the NFL, both would be better off doing what the NBA is doing, having a cap on player contracts. And again, their unions aren't going to be stupid enough to fall for what the NBA union did, but that would be a better play. I think for those two sports doing it kind of like the NBA does it, Nathan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think there does need to be a cap, and I think it's definitely beneficial because, as you said, those top guys otherwise are just making such a ridiculous portion of the of the salary cap. And at least in the NBA, yes, these guys are getting ridiculous contracts. But again, when they get the ridiculous contract, it's because the salary cap is going to just keep going up and going up and going up. And so, you know, again, Jalen Brown making $60 million, $70 million a year. Yes, that is a crazy. of money and he, and he's still going to be he's going to be one of the top five paid players at that time but it's not the same as getting paid 60 million this year like it's not it's but
0: Nathan will
1: he be a top five player at any point no I mean no but I'm saying I'm just saying it's not you can't look at that and say you can't look at that and, and look at it as 70 million in today's in today's terms it's 70 million it's it's essentially the same as about fifty. Four million today which is still the, like the number one paid player in the league but it's not it's it's close to the other guys it's not some number that's just way out there from everyone else that's what people just again don't always think about when these contracts come out for the future and you know anthony davis just signed a
0: three-year 190 also million dollar thing there's no way and, he'll be healthy enough to play half those games probably
1: yeah but it's just it again you just have to look at it at least a little bit of the, especially with the jalen brown thing where it's like well their choices are either sign them or don't well, okay, I mean, if you're going to, I'll pay him like a top five player, even though he's not, I'll pay him like a top five player just to keep him around, then lose him for nothing, you know? I, I'm i not saying it's totally, like, smart all the time, but I, I just think it's not as, these these contracts, again, aren't as crazy as people think because they're, they're far down the road. I
0: would have traded him for Lillard. Been saying it for, like, three or four months. Uh, okay, let's move on. Topic number three. This is a non-NBA topic, but it is, Uh, a basketball topic, all this realignment going on in college uh, sports. Uh, People are talking about it from a football perspective, but there are basketball ramifications with this. You know, this isn't Notre Dame where it's independent football, and then they're affiliated with uh, a conference. All of these programs that are moving, even though we're talking about it from a football program standpoint, are also going to be affected in basketball. So now you look at, say, the Big Ten, Uh, And you add Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA to this Big Ten basketball conference. And by the way, they're not done. I think they're going to get to 20 at least at minimum. It'll be like the Big 20 instead of the Big Ten. I think 20 is where it ends. And my guess is they're going to go after the ACC next because they don't have Big Ten network or any roots down in that part of the country. And they're trying to make this a national type conference. So it would only make sense. They go raid the ACC next. But either way, as of right now, Adding those four schools to the Big Ten conference, what do you think that does for the Big Ten in basketball, Nathan? Knowing, by the way, he's a Marquette fan, but he can talk about this objectively from a conference standpoint. Go ahead, Nathan.
1: I mean, so just on the surface level, I I never understood it because I always looked at the Big Ten as Midwest. It's always kind of been that way. And like, I just, I don't see UCLA, USC, those Western, like those West schools as Big Ten schools, I just don't. Um, so I that that just that part of it with just the whole geography thing, I'm not totally down for having 18 teams. Uh, just seems a little ridiculous. Um, like that just I just split it into two. I don't know.
0: But I mean, think about like, it. Big 12, same thing. The, uh, Big 12 is going to be right around 20 teams. Yeah. So is the, six, by the time the SEC is done, they're going to be the same too. They're all going to be right around 20 before this is all said and done.
1: Yeah, Big Ten is going to have 18. Big 12 is going to have 16 because they're getting Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, losing Texas, Oklahoma to the SEC, who would then have 16. And then the ACC is going to keep 15.
0: And then and my, Big, my Big the East my, is not going to... Mark my words, the ACC is not going to survive this. There's no way. my My Big East is going to have 11. But, but that Big East, your Big East is never going to get touched because they're basketball-only schools. So yeah, I know. I know. That's going to stay as is. The problem is... I think if we talk about this from that standpoint, is it's going to hurt y'all, because what's going to happen is you're going to have so many schools. I mean, think about it. Right now, the Big Ten's getting what seven, eight teams, sometimes nine, uh, out of what what they've got going on for an NCAA tournament. Now you're telling me they're going to have say twenty, right now. They might get 10 or 12 teams out of the big 10 and that's just gonna take away from the smaller conferences for at large bids and they're just gonna say well, let's drink the schedule look at how many how many teams they got all coming out of here and from a basketball standpoint for the big 10 I don't know I mean USC they've been going at it for a while now but they've never been really able to get over the hump recently uh UCLA that's a good program and has been for for a while uh Mick Cronin's a great coach I love him a lot uh Washington. Mm. Uh, Oregon's got uh, a cool-looking court, I guess. Uh, But outside of that, they're a a try-hard program that gets in the NCAA tournament and gets beat every year, normally relatively early. So I'm not too worried about that. But you are going to add, what, three NCAA tournament teams, USC, UCLA, uh, and Oregon, that are pretty much in the tournament every year. Uh, That will improve strength of schedule, and that's going to improve everything, I think, from a basketball standpoint. Uh, but again, travel is going to be involved here and you're not playing one game a week like you are in football. You're playing two or three games a week. So I would assume if Wisconsin plays USC out at USC, that UCLA and Oregon will be in short order right there after that. And they'll just stay out there for, say, a week, a week and a half before they come back.
1: Yeah, and I didn't I didn't I'm looking at this. I didn't realize, too, that this season, so not even 2024, but 2023 BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF are all going Big Twelve. I right. didn't even know that. Yep. So, yeah, that's very interesting. So, what's happening to the American Conference? Is it just losing the so
0: those schools? Like they just I would assume so. I mean, there's so much going on right now. Right now, the question is, Pac Twelve's got four schools. So, yeah, Pac
1: Twelve ha- only has four American. I mean, I'm just saying because American now is losing Houston, Cincinnati. I think what, what was UCF in? Were they in the American? I don't know, but I did. That's some of their top schools like that. That conference is going to be not very good.
0: And Pac-12 and has lost. four schools. Yeah, that's not Stanford, enough for a conference.
1: Stanford, Oregon State, Cal
0: and Washington State. Right. So now they've got to figure out where to go. And I heard one guy suggest on the radio that Stanford goes independent and says, we're going to play independent football and we'll affiliate with all of our other sports with somebody else like Notre Dame does. Right. So yeah. go that way. But California is not going to do that. Washington State and Oregon State aren't going to do that. So where do they end up? And that again, that that conference is going to be done. By by 2024, they will that will no longer be a conference. They're all going to be gone. My guess is they're all going to end up in the Mountain West. That, I feel that's right I figure. I feel bad for
1: Bill Walton because he loves the Pac 12. Wow, that guy. That guy is always. Every time I turn on a Bill Walton game at 10 p.m. on ESPN, he's always preaching about how the Pac-12 is the conference of champions.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no longer. He's probably crying over this. It's it's about done. But I I do think the Big East is going to get screwed in all this realignment stuff because of football. Because there's going to be a lot less at-large bids coming out of that conference probably because of the reason of being so many teams in these other conferences.
1: I would but I would say that I mean if they were coming from poor conferences to bigger conferences I could maybe understand that more because the strength of schedule will be changing drastically but I mean the Pac-12 was good before too it's not like I mean is are the Big yep. 12 and Big 10 better? Yes. But I don't know. I don't think they're going to have that much better of a strength of schedule by playing big 10 teams and they are pac 12 teams. I don't know. I don't think
0: it'll make a little bit of a difference for sure. And maybe some think of those about teams
1: it. go ahead.
0: But think about, think about basketball schedule let's, and I don't know how they do the basketball schedule as far as rotating, but, but I'm assuming you're not going to play all of your conference anymore. Right? So what happens if they don't play Northwestern on a given year, but they play USC, they don't play Rutgers on a given year, but they play UCLA. They don't play Nebraska on a given year and they play Oregon. I mean, if you take out three dogs from the big 10, and replace them with those three tournament teams, that's when the schedule is going to be through the roof and it's going to be a brutal schedule, uh, for the big 10. And by the way, Greg guard, good luck. Good luck because McIntosh already made the change in football. Get ready. Spotlight's going to be on you now with you, with them adding more conference, uh, NCAA tournament teams to this conference, Greg Gard, I think, is gonna be under even more heat than he was already, Nathan. But uh, I mean, just going back to what you said
1: about the the schedule, you said there's gonna be, you know, they they don't play they don't play Northwestern, but they play UCLA. But there's gonna be teams that also play Northwestern and don't play UCLA. It's gonna I, I just think it'll even out a little Correct. bit. Correct. Um right. I, I don't I I'm I'm I don't say think yes. you're gonna be
0: able to play everybody.
1: Yeah. But I'm just I think in the end, it won't make that much of a difference in terms of like from all these conferences together, how many bids are there getting into the NCAA tournament? I don't think it's going to be drastically different than it would be if we had just kept the Pac twelve together because that they would still get, you know, some teams in. Well now you're just kind of eliminating those and just spreading them out across the rest of these four. Sure. Um I'm not sure if it'll make that much of a difference overall in terms of hurting like a big east or something like that.
0: Yeah, good point. He is Nathan Marzion. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzion. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Green and Grow. We'll be back at it again on Thursday night. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Download on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast At Tell a friend. Tell a fan.